Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the State of Play podcast, episode 81. I'm your host, Martino Puccio, alongside me today. And for probably the next couple of weeks, while uh, Pet Barisha just has to work through some things, is Matt Santangelo. Matt, how you doing, man? Doing pretty well. Great to be back on with you, Martino. And uh, yeah, episode 81. We're getting closer to that 100 uh, episode milestone. So we keep on plugging away. And of course, there's a lot to talk about. Yeah, there, there's a ton. I think there's the potential that I think episode 100 could be around. Like I don't know, I have to do the numbers, but not just by the end of the season. What, we got another three episodes in the, in March. Then we got four, seven, 11. I, w- I was going to say it would have been sick to have, uh, you know, Italy winning the Euros on episode mm. 100, but it'll be right around then. Um, but anyways, um I'm in high spirits. Milan are in much better shape than I expected them to be, but obviously that's just based off of my mood. Also, the weather is really nice the next three days here in New York. It's in the 50s today. I'm not sure how it is by you, but then yeah. there's the 60s for Wednesday and Thursday as well. Um, Champions League football is back. Like it's just, it's just great all around, except probably Inter pretty much clinching the title. But first, we'll should we should we stay in Italy first? But we had we had United and City as the first thing in the docket um so really up to you on what you want to go with first uh city beating i mean a united beating city united beating city so we were doing the post this is funny because we were doing the post-match podcast because milan obviously play united uh in the europa league and that starts thursday but united get the penalty within the fourth minute and then from there on out it was pretty much cruise control for them and they end up getting a second and winning two nothing Big victory for them, but it really just doesn't change anything in terms of the title. I think this is just really more so a huge step forward in them solidifying that top four spot, which I do think they're more than likely to grab at this point, considering the inconsistencies of the other teams that are kind of vying for those spots. Like Liverpool has just been absolutely dreadful. Uh, Chelsea's turned it around a little bit. Um, For the most part, they're doing much better in the league and just overall play um Leicester's been you know kind of fading as well but City's running away with this title Matt for me I I, there isn't too much to take away from this I would have taken more away from it if this was a closer one and Man United always play City really well man like last year they gave them um some really good games and I know they beat them and and this has kind of like been you know like a, a back and forth kind of thing but the separation with City and United is this is that City constantly beat the teams that they should be beating. They step up in the bigger matches. And overall, they're just a more talented squad with a better manager and more resources at this point because of their consistent dominance. For me, Matt, I guess we'll stick with the City angle on this. For them, I guess this isn't that big of a deal, right? Um, Like it's, it's, you, you, you think this is like something that would like damper a team, but I don't get that sense from City, right? Like, all right, whatever. United beat us. We're still up by double-digit points in the league. We're gearing towards Champions League. This is kind of like a match. Like, it would have been nice to have won, but it's not that big of a deal. Because at the end of the day, this matchup was more of a bragging rights sort of thing instead of, you know, a title solidification sort of match. So for me, this was a bigger match for United. But in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't change that much in, in, in like, you know, the bigger picture. So... Tell me what your sort of takeaways were from this. 
Yeah, I mean, if you look at the positioning in the table too, um, you see obviously City still have a very cozy, comfy lead ahead of United and the pack. So I don't think it's going to have, this result's going to have any sort of detriment effects to them securing the title. I think that's been something that's been established for a couple of weeks now. Pre this game, post this game, I think most people have the perception of City that it's their title to lose now. And the performances have shown us that over 21 um, straight wins, which is incredibly impressive, one defeat's not going to completely change people's perception of City as we see them. I think the focus now shifts to um, City being able to just kind of pick things back up, you know, take this as a one-off defeat, and then you make sure that their their Champions League positioning, their Champions League ambitions are in, in order, they're, they're best positioned to make a deep run and potentially win the tournament. And then, of course, you start to kind of uh, wind down in the season and you look at where you are in certain competitions that you're involved in and say, can I secure this trophy, that trophy, so on and so forth. So I think for me, it's, it's one of those things where I take more from United's victory versus I do from City's defeat in this, in the sense that, mm. you know, what's United's reaction going to be out of this moving forward in the Europa League, right? Because they got Milan on um, at the time of recording, it's Tuesday here. So um, they got them Thursday. And then the following week, they got them back at San Siro. So these are two important games for them. And I think now if you're a Manchester United fan, now it's about feeling comfortable, yes, with top four in the Premier League. Although Rashford potentially missing missing Thursday, by the way. So like that... Just yeah, I mean, note, but, yeah. But, but even then, I think United are, are really well positioned based on the fact that um, they got some attacking players. There's some threats there that Milan are going to have to really take care of or try to at least neutralize a little bit. And then Milan has their own issues there. But besides the point, mm-hmm. I think United are in a really good spot um, in all competitions. And I think they're a really um, a strong candidate to win the Europa League. I just think that Milan are a I good agree. team, yes. But at this point in time, this is the one match that, it's it has a Champions League vibe to it, and, and way more experience than Milan. They got the experience. I think they got. There's just a little bit more healthier, um, and I just think at this point in time, their their squad is a little bit stronger in terms of their form and in terms of who they have available. Mm-hmm. So I think it's 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 a good measuring stick. I will say that for United. I mean, sure. to be able to beat City, clean sheet them, it's very mm-hmm. important in a derby. Those matches always tend to be a, a typically a shot in the arm for the rest of the yeah. way, and the way this match was positioned getting a victory in this could be really, really key for them to be um, securing top four and to make a potentially deep run in the Europa League. Wouldn't that be something, though? Right? Wouldn't that yeah. be something? I mean, yeah. United could get to a Europa League final and win the same year potentially City wins a Champions League. That would be pretty something. That would be pretty, pretty, pretty remarkable if you think about it. Yeah, I mean, it, all, it was um, – yeah, I, listen, it's – what a world, though. Right, like you say that like 15 years ago, and you say like you're you're fucking out of your mind, man. Like Man City pulling that off, and United vying like winning their second Europa League in like what six years or so, right? Because I believe it was like 2016 when they won it or 17. Um, but the the important thing to note is as well, Sunday they also have a pretty big match. West Ham United has been probably the revelation in the Premier League, strictly Premier League. Like, this team is, like, not far off of a top-four spot. They're, they've they been consistently in these, like, you know, 
big time matches. And this time last year, we were just kind of wondering the direction that West Ham was going in. There was a lot of frustration with fans. Now they're in that spot. It is difficult for United in this spot. And you're right. Like the morale boost is probably fantastic, but if you potentially miss out on Rashford, I know Pogba's situation is kind of iffy and it's been like that for forever in terms of health um, at United for me. And then you get Leicester in the FA cup on the 21st before the break hits. There was a lot for Ole to kind of navigate through here. And it's going to be difficult for him to kind of figure out and plug in the correct 11. Like I think on Thursday, it's a no brainer to start Edison Cavani against Milan. I think that's like the direction he has to go down. I understand Martial has had some pretty good performances and spot against Milan is probably a better place for him. But I just think, you know, you kind of get Cavani for matches like this, you know, put the tie to bed, if they're able to prevent Milan from scoring any goals, which is very possible, Matt, considering the lineup that Milan might be putting out, like then then they're in pretty good position. But I think for the rest of this way to go well, they need to have a shutout in this first leg against Milan. Because if they keep this window open for Milan, it's Milan suck at San Siro, but it's just something that United don't want to have to extend exert so much energy over uh, over two legs. But again, that's the cost of playing in European competition. Um, so yeah, for for me, for me, I think this is probably the biggest stretch of games for United for pretty much the rest of the season. May is a pretty difficult schedule when you look at it because they're going to have Liverpool, Leicester, and Wolves all um, in three of their last five games of the season. Um, it's a pretty it's a pretty simple. April, Matt, if you really look at it, like Burnley, Leeds, I mean, Leeds will be difficult to an extent um, with their, with their goal scoring, but like Spurs and Brighton, like those are all very winnable matches for United that can come out of 12 points. So in reality, it's just this next stretch of, you know, 12 days or so for United that you, you pull this off. It's just the one premier league match you advance to the next round in Europa League, and then you're saying, this is a pretty damn successful season if United win Europa League and finish second in the Premier League, right? Like, it's yeah. like they would take that prior to the season. And and they're still in the FA Cup as well. So mm-hmm. you never know what you, what can happen there, especially in that competition. So, yeah, so I think it's I think United's in a very good position. But to me, they're, they're still like another step away from getting back to where they need to be. And it could be in a managerial hire and all that, but I think we should move on. And this topic came out this morning. So this is pretty big news. I don't know if you saw me post in the chat, but Yogi Lowe is going to be resigning and stepping down from Germany after the Euros. Mm -hmm. So I think it's kind of difficult to discuss everything because what he's done with Germany has just been phenomenal uh, on the international level. A lot of lows, certainly the highest of highs with winning the 2014 World Cup. Um, for me, Matt, he was, he really is one of the better international managers this century. I think that, you know, we, it is well documented how Germany retooled everything back in the early 2000s, right? Um, after some disappointing runs in international tournaments. What was it called? Das Reboot? I think there was like a book on it. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Amazing name. They just put Das in front of anything and it's like, it's just like well-received. But 
this is the this is the point, right? Like you win the 2014 World Cup in probably the most convincing win of all time in the World Cup, right? The seven to one drumming of Brazil is one of the most like, iconic World Cup wins ever. Um, regardless of who was there for Brazil or not, you beat a team seven to one in their home country in a knockout round in the World Cup. By the way, the first ever European team to win in South America in a World Cup, like the the World Cup in general. Like, that's just absolutely unbelievable. And, you know, there were some disappointing tournaments for them, for sure. I think 2012 was one of them. I think that 2016, again, they probably seemed like they were the favorites to go back and win all of that. Um, and the 2018 World Cup was just embarrassing for them as a whole. So for now, this is really just the last dance for Yogi Love and most of this score for Germany, they have a plenty of talented young players coming through the youth ranks. And that's been well-documented in some of their transfers uh, club wise in recent years. But for me, Matt, how would you surmise Yogi Lowe's tenure as Germany's manager? I mean, he's one of their better ones in history, obviously. Yeah. um, I think you, you pretty much nailed it. I mean, you know, it's, it's the world cup, well, victory in 2014 is obviously going to be the, the defining moment of his tenure as Germany coach. But I think you have to look beyond those sorts of things and, and, and understand the fact that, you know, in between that, I mean, you're, you're talking about it uh, having to follow up in many ways because it was in the middle of what Spain did. And I, I think maybe there's, there's going to be some people that think, well, we kind of left some trophies, we left some, some victories, some, some sort of different heights um on the table sure. during this during this t- uh, era of his but i think it's really tough to really compare it to to like across different competitions and then what i mean by that is i think you know in, in short tournaments can always there it's that's the that's the, the beauty and the beast of a international job right because you're going to look at it and think okay well if, how how good did you really do if you didn't win a trophy with a big nation I mean, France became went to a final in, in in the Euro. They lost to Portugal, and they followed up, and they won the World Cup. So, like that's a that's a really big feat. I mean, you're talking about a final and then a World Cup victory right afterwards. With Germany, I think there's going to be people that look at it and say there's there's more in this team. I mean, you can point to the 2018 World Cup performance, but I think at that point in time, you're looking at it's cyclical, right? The sport is cyclical, mm-hmm. international, domestic. So, I think this what what low accomplished with Germany is very impressive, but I think it even puts what Spain was able to accomplish of winning you know, Euro World Cup Euro into perspective into like, wow, that's, that's incredible to think that, that you couldn't have that much long prolonged success and dominate for that dominate essentially the world for such a long time and do it. And so, and have it justified, justified by the, by the fact that you got three trophies, whereas with Germany counted confederations cup, by the way, as, as probably can. I mean, it's a, I mean, 2017, they won it. It's a, like, it's a trophy. I mean, I just think international competition is so difficult to really yeah. um, quantify, like rate in a sense, because I think what, what, what loaded and you mentioned, right. You know, the, the beginning of the 2000s and the 2010s, like Germany having mm-hmm. to kind of sort of rebuild their sort of clout and their power and their strength that we've kind of always known to be synonymous with them. Um, mm-hmm. But just to tie it up real quick so we can move on to another subject, because I'm sure there's going to be more 
um, following this, right? Who's the replacement? Who they're looking at? And yeah, it's Klopp funny. Even had to deny the rumors this morning. By the way, it's funny. It's funny how yeah, it's funny how it kind of they'll go hand in hand, right? One guy resigns and then Klopp comes out and says, "No, I'm 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 not speaking on this. I'm not committing to anything, or I'm not saying I'm leaving or whatever." There's something there, in my opinion, but I'm sure yeah, once that, that quote, becomes, Romano, huh? mm-hmm. once it becomes more established and there's more news to to discuss on then we'll, we'll do that but uh yeah it's 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 going to be interesting to see what the next um phase of german international football looks like i mean there's a ton of talent i mean I, you can make a quick case that too um at 2018 you kind of got a sense that there were some players that really just didn't belong they were on their last yeah. leg uh, no sane in that world cup was criminal typical. like even with italy at 20 the 2010 world cup like there was pieces of their world cup oh, 26 uh, 2006 roster and then you're like yeah, but four years is a lot in football. Romanticizing, so, yeah. You know, so we'll we'll have to wait and see. But but Martino, let's let's move on to the uh to back to our 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 realm. Bread and uh, butter. Outro. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, listen, we talked about this on Clubhouse. If anyone ever wants to join me and Matt, it was just really us two talking for most of the point. I think we had like two people in there uh, on occasion. But Inter basically wrapped up the title yesterday. Um, I've said this was their title to lose for a while now, whether or not people wanted to agree with that, because I think a lot of the fans are nervy and it's out of respect for Juve and what they've been doing. And Juve had a massive win over the weekend against Lazio, right? And we knew Inter, again, needed another win to solidify and, and put their foot down as to who the best team in the league is. And Matt, they keep on winning every single match. They're not conceding any goals. They keep scoring at a high rate they only got one against Atalanta I understand but it's the way they're winning these games where the match against Parma the match against Atalanta where they're not at their 100% like they were dominating against Milan but they're doing enough to get the three points and they're not doing it in the sexiest way and that's the difference that Inter has been missing for the past few years the difference with Inter and we say it time and time again was they drop some of these matches and points that, you know, they should have had the extra two points there. And the difference could have been, we're putting more pressure on Juve at the, at the end of the season to eventually eclipse them. Because Inter, on, on paper, they lost the Scudetto by one point, but that was wrapped up well before that. But then you could actually just go back and say, okay, well, if they won some of the matches here and there, then you could say, those are the points that's the difference between them being in second place and being title winners. For me, this was just like, they have everything, man. Like they're playing once a week. They have one of the best managers in the world to have once per week, but you could argue he is the best one. Lukaku's playing at an all time high. If he's not scoring goals, he's doing great in terms of work rate and and creation for others. Um, You know, the defense has been amazing. Milan Skriniar's, redemption after a very poor season last year has been just absolutely top you could argue he's been the best center back in Serie A and he probably has been so for me Matt this is just another validation sort of match that Inter had because if you were looking at a moment or a match day week for teams to or a team like Juve to sort of close the gap with a game in hand a little bit it would have been them beating Lazio and Inter slipping up against Atalanta. But that's not the case. They kept their pace there. Um, 
Juve still had the very important Champions League matchup in a few hours against Porto, so we'll see what happens there. But, you know, they have the rematch against Napoli. They have to play Milan again. They have to play Inter again. As of right now for Inter, they're in the driver's seat, and this could be wrapped up within the coming weeks. I think it's already done, but you can't say it's officially done with Juve. But, man, you 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 take this away because, again, this is this is what champions do. And Inter are, you know, I think they're realizing that they are. Yeah. Um, all credit to Inter. I mean, that's this is why they hired Antonio Conte to be the manager, paying him handsomely to, to be at the heart of this project. And, you know, when you when you look at what they've built over a couple of years, it's it, and a reminder to everyone listening too. I mean, in the summer, there was an instance where people thought, like, is Conte going to leave? Like, he may just walk away from the job right now. And they're, at that time, favorites. Like, some people christened them favorites to win the title. Because, obviously, I think it was maybe pre or post Pirlo being the coach of, of, of Juve. But even then, I mean, people came into the season, they looked top to bottom. Interest of favor. Like, they're, they have the great defense, as you mentioned. You got De Vrij, you got Bastoni, you got Skriniar. They got the midfielders. Barella's an rising, emerging young Italian talent. And then you look at Lukaku. And then you look at Lautaro Martinez. So, like, they had the, 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 the dynamic, the squad depth, the strength in their coach, in their players, but also in the mindset, in believing in the, the title ambition. So what they're doing, I know some people will maybe be surprised. I'm not surprised that Inter are where they're at. I am surprised that it's, um, I don't know what to, how to really frame it, but that it's not Juve kind of really neck and neck with them because I thought it would be I mean it's kind of Milan's kind of throwing a wrench into the plans of having like a Derby d'Italia type battle for the Scudetto like we're just kind happy of, to be like, there <laughs> Juve being the team that like hey we've won nine in a row like we're gonna be if 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 you're gonna do it it's gonna be you beating us in second like you know what I'm saying I mean not saying it can't happen but the, that's the point I'm trying to make it's just like you were hoping that Juve would like a, a really strong Juve I mean this is for the neutral I mean for me you all know how I feel about intern Juve. <laughs> but you, everyone was kind of hoping that it would be like Juve, like a really classic battle. Like, okay, like fine. At the end of the day, like if Inter are going to be the champions, they're going to have to just literally take it from Juve, like one, two in the table. And it could be that way. So we'll have to wait and see. But as far as Inter's team this year, I mean, Lukaku, we've, we've touched on him quite a bit. He's been a, an absolute force. But even guys like Alexis Sanchez, like I think he had three goals or three goals in his past three games. He had the really good performance against Parma. So they t- they tend to get these guys that in certain matches, it's not just Lukaku. Yes, Lukaku is at the focal point of everything because he's scoring goals. He's the big striker you brought in. He's he's getting a lot of publicity and a lot of attention, rightfully so, because he's been very very good for them. But like Skriniar getting a goal, like I, I don't know, you watched it, you watched the game, so you saw what happened there, but like Skriniar being in a position to score a goal like that and finishing his shot. Yep. 1-0 clean sheeting Atalanta. That's a very impressive task. I think they all Juvan Zapata was nullified. I think the last time Atalanta were clean sheeted or like they were yeah, clean sheeted was I think they Matteo Benetti and, and Mark Donaldson were VSPN were saying November of 2019. So like this team is it's never easy to clean sheet them. So we can highlight the fact that they could score goals. They can create chances. They're a force in that sense. Hakimi, all these, all these players they got, but they can defend their asses off. Like that's that's impressive. Well, they were clean sheeted. Really, against... really good central defenders, and they're all either in their very young part of their career 
or like in their prime or about to enter their prime, which is a very dangerous uh, scenario yeah. for it's, it's other teams it's to face. Literally all three are like that. Bastoni at the start, Screenar entering the prime, DeFry kind of on the back older, end. But he's still yeah. like 26, 27. Like he's not old. I think he's a little bit older than that. Pretty sure, but but he's not like he's like thirty. No, but for defenders and Serie A, like we see Chiellini, he's twenty nine, right. so like he's like in his he's... prime. Like he's kind of yeah. in his prime, but he's not like on his last leg, is what I'm saying. No, no, no. They, I think I think they only have an age issue at goalkeeper and in some spots in the midfield. Yeah, but they'll they'll figure that out. But they're fine. That they'll their average age is like really skewed when you kind of look at, at each position on the field for them. They were in really good shape. It's just the ownership issue, but that's obviously a different topic. Um, that'll certainly come up after the season is concluded. So, yeah, I mean, a massive win for them. Um, and like you said, shutting out into Atalanta is no uh, small feat. Um, so Chiesa, obviously this needs to be discussed. He's been fantastic. There were a lot of people out there, Matt, that were in the driver's seat saying Chiesa, you know, was just a victim of Fiorentina being a very poorly run club. The talent was there. There were just a lot of efficiency issues in terms of his finishing um, because he rips off a lot of shots. Um, and, you know, he's a high volume type of player and there's nothing wrong with that. You take, I, I would always take a high volume player. There was always the price tag on him, which was deemed pretty expensive by most clubs. And that's ultimately why Juve ended up getting him for that 60 million euro price tag and it's obviously stretched out over time in order for them and it's been obvious that Comiso has just been so shrewd with his prices and probably why he's going to end up hurting himself with a lot of these uh, decisions but he's stepped up in a lot of big matches for them man like he just the way he played against Lazio was just fantastic like he arrived as like this is a player who's going to make a massive impact for Italy in the summer he has solidified himself as uh, one of the best Italian talents for sure. I think he's thrusted himself back in that conversation, you know, a little step below Nicolo Barella, but they're different positions. They're different types of players. So it's always hard to compare. And that all important goal that he got away against Porto that really kept them in the tie. And we'll see if they end up going through. I do think they will um, at home. So for me, Matt, again, Chiesa, this is just another massive step in the development of a young Italian player. And I think Juve's actually, Juve and Pilar had done a, a really fine job with Chiesa. I must say, like, applauses all around. Um, I always thought his price was a little bit too high, and I would never pay over 40 million euros for him. But again, the price is what you're willing to pay for, for a certain player. And Juve deemed him for 60 million euros, fine. And I think he's really on that track to be a player worthy of that value, especially in today's age. And for me, I think he's going to be a mainstay in this club for the next 10, 10 years, man. I think there's no doubt about it. Uh, God willing, knock on wood, he stays healthy. Best of luck to him. I, I think this is this was a home run signing for Juve that have you know had inconsistent signings. So again, you take it away from here because you you've been following him for years as well. So yeah, yeah. Um, I was very vocal on Twitter about Gieza because at the time of when the discussions about a potential move were, were happening in the summer. Um, there was Milan links, because I think Milan wanted to get a Chiesa, Milenkovic. They were doing this sort of rumor. They're, they're not they, but the rumors were that they were going to do this double swoop for two Fiorentina players, pay a ton of money, and really you know, kind of address two different areas that are in great need. And Chiesa is a player I've always liked, rated, and I always believed in his potential. But 
every every club's situation is different. Like for Milan to spend 40, 50 on a player in one, like on one individual player when they have so many different needs, it's not wise financially, right? So it wasn't so much that I didn't believe in the players that when I saw the numbers being thrown around for them, I mean, it's a lot of money, like 40, 50, 60 million for one player who's, you have to wait for him, his potential to flourish and to be fulfilled, right? Like he's not a player that's ready right now, like 24, 25, 26. Like this guy, 26 is in his prime. He's ready to go. He's a superstar for you. But to his defense and all credit to him and, and, and all credit to Pirlo too, because you have to credit Pirlo. I mean, I know he's have, having a difficult establishing an identity and getting consistent results and a consistent style of play that gets good results for Juve. And his, in his first very year. well with youth. But at the same time, like he has been consistent. Like the entire season, he scored big goals. And I think the turning point for him was that that performance against Milan. <laughs> I know. Which, of, of course, it's coming against, you know, your our team. But, the, you know, that performance not only showed his his um, guile in the final third, his, his dribbling ability, his ability to find the goal, but his two-footedness, how direct he can be. The fact that he um, can score in big matches, it showed maturity too as a player, right? Because I think there was that kind of sort of um, reputation that he had at Fiorentina where, yeah, he, he's very good. He could do a lot of different things, but sometimes he's uh, he's kind of like he's not mature enough. He's not he's not there yet. He's not like a, a only twenty two when he transferred, man. Right, and there was a lot of criticism. Not not a lot of criticism, but people had their doubts about him. Juve fans, sure. like that's a lot of money. We don't we we need a midfield. We need a better midfielder. And you're going out and getting forty fifty million on one player and a winger, another winger for us. We need midfielders. But all credit to him. I mean, he's you can make a case. He's easily, I would say, one of Juve's top three to five players this year, as far as consistency goes. Because one, Kulisevsky had a pretty good start to the season. Horrible. Now he's quickly quiet. He's quickly cooled down, like drastically. He's not as influential as he was. And now it's Chiesa and Ronaldo. And then when you have Dybala on the bench, mm. like, there's. I'm sorry, but I don't just. If you want to talk about that real quickly, where is the minutes? Where are the oh, minutes going to happen for Dybala? Like you invest thirty something million in Kulisevsky last year, you invest a ton of money in Chiesa, and he thought crazy. it was like a, around forty-ish, no? Yeah, or is it thirty-five? 30, yeah, yeah I mean, last January, crazy. Yeah, and then you have Ronaldo. You're paying a ton of money. Mm. So where are those minutes for DiBala? Is is kind of where I see this and positionally. Yeah. Where does he play? Where do you take the minutes from Chiesa? No, Chiesa start. He's starting every game, every important game at the very least. You have so, to. You can't sit a guy with this form. Chiesa's Chiesa's been. Just to get back on here, Chiesa has been alongside McKenny, like easily their two best signings. You would you would have to say. I mean, there's some other players in the squad that have been very strong. Like Danilo has been very sharp. I, I think Danilo's stepped in in really difficult spots, playing multiple positions, midfield, uh, fullback, central defense. Like, and he's done a good job. So it's look it looks it's it's if you notice a lot of the guys I'm mentioning, Chiesa, McKenny, younger players. And for all these years, we've always kind of known you to have like those veteran players, a veteran backline that's really sharp, you know, that knows where to be, that you can rely on. Is this a, maybe a shift of the dynamic here, the landscape at Juve, and a shift of, and perhaps an end of a cycle, right? Because if it's Juve, I mean, Juve going to relinquish their, their, their reigns as, as, as um, Serie A champions mm. to enter, well, then this, does this signal a shift? And, and where they go moving forward. I'm not saying they're going to be completely youth-driven like Milan is, 
But sure. you can kind of get a sense that, like, okay, like Bentoncourt, Rabio, McKenny, Kulisewski, Chiesa. Like, is Ronaldo staying past this year? Is Dybala going to get a big, big deal? Who knows? I was, I was going to ask you this question. Let me ask you this. Yeah. Percentage-wise, or we go on like a scale of 1 to 10, what are the odds that Dybala and Cristiano Ronaldo both leave Juventus this summer? I think Juve, uh, Juve and Cristiano probably have one more year together mm-hmm. if they want to try that. But I think there's a pretty good chance that both could be leaving. Um it's possible. So for, for me, I think Dybala's gone, man. I just like you. This is a very hard relationship to repair. And I know a player can just come on the field and start producing, and then you kind of forget about all of it. But it's been very inconsistent. Last year it was his individual brilliance that was great under Sadi that, you know, had him awesome at times, but now it's injury riddled. He's not fitting fitting into Pilo's plans uh, formationally. Like, there's just so many issues with him. And he's been shot, Matt. He's been shopped around before. Manchester United, there's been smoke there. There's been Spurs rumors as well. Like, this guy, you know, it, it for someone who you would have thought would have been the mainstay and the guy at Juve for a very long time, you don't get that sense. And the sense for me is this. I think at the end of the day that Paulo Dybala's course at Juve has probably run out and they're probably going into a new direction and they need finances um, considering what Cristiano Ronaldo costs them. I think they could use him to sell and then, um, you know, eventually look to retool the roster because you could still get a really good price for Paulo Dybala on the market. Like, absolutely. You're at least looking at 50 to 60 million euros at a starting price. So for me, it'll be interesting to see what happens there over the summer. But obviously, we have to get to uh, a couple more topics. But before we get to that, we obviously have to let you guys know that this podcast is brought to you by an affiliation with Sorare. It's the global blockchain fantasy game. Sorare is a fantasy game of soccer where players buy, sell, trade, and manage a virtual team with digital player cards. If you use our link today, you buy five new cards from a primary market, both individual cards and bundles, then you get one free rare card. Pet has gotten already a Memphis Depay card that's worth a couple grand that he mentioned. Um, All you have to do is just head over to the link. It's in the podcast description. You can go on Twitter and check it out there. I believe we also have it on Instagram. Obviously, this digital age of card trading, we saw a resurgence over here in America of card trading in, in physical cards with baseball, obviously, is the iconic one over here. Um, NBA has been doing their own uh, digital stuff lately too, Matt, that people have been obsessed with. But for this, this is a really cool thing. I think it's just something that's on the precipice of exploding in the open uh, world market just simply because it's the world's most popular sport. So for for you, Matt, do you want to speak on it a little bit? Because I know, I know you're into the whole uh, trading space of, of cards. Yeah. Um, if you're, if you're familiar with um, Gary V and a lot of the, the things he gets involved <laughs> in, he's actually one of the people that's um, been promoting this quite a bit on um, him and his team. And then there's been an investment from pro footballers. I mean, you've had Griezmann, PK, um, Andre Sherla. So there's a lot of buzz and, and hype and, and, and anticipation about this specifically and NFTs uh, as, as a, as a commodity in general. So um Make sure you guys go check out the link. Go check out Sorare, what they're all about, what they can um, offer um, as far as if you're a collector, if you like soccer, football, 
And if you're also into the crypto slash, uh, slash NFT space, I think this is something that you should definitely check out. But um, Martino, let's, 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 let's dive right into a player that I would love to have in so rare, but he's probably um, a, a fortune at this point. Erling Holland. A god amongst men, a phenomenon. I like, rem- I think I remember when we were doing our Champions League previews with Pat and I picked them over Sevilla and I, and my sole reasoning was Erling Holland. It wasn't even like how Dortmund are in general. He is absolutely unbelievable. You know, when we saw Leo Messi years ago, Matt, in El Clasico, and he gets that hat trick against Real Madrid, and he was a kid. And in the moment, we knew how big of a feat that was, right? Especially where we saw Barcelona compared to Real Madrid in that day and age, like prior to what they did in terms of winning Champions League trophies and all that stuff. We, we saw a, a talent at a level like you go into the Bernabeu and you get a hat trick. Any player doing that is a fucking legend after that. If you do that when you're in the early stages of your career, you're going to be one of the best of all time if you're on the right track. And that's exactly on the track that Erling Holland is on. You get two goals inside 10 minutes in Bayern Munich against one of the best Bayern Munich teams of the past 10 to 15 years or ever, right? Because we saw that dominance last year. They end up winning the match four to two for Christ's sake. But Matt, like he's already at a hundred goals for his career. He steps up seemingly in every single big match that he's partaken in champions league league wise. Ever since he's gotten to Dortmund, he's been there for 14 months or so now, right? Cause he got there in January of 2020. Like, all he does is step up in these matches. And it's funny because we compare him to his teammate, Jaden Sancho, who has brilliant moments and looks like, looks to be one of the best players, young players in the world. But Erling Holland is the name that constantly shows up. His work rate's fantastic. He's physically amazing. His finishing is fantastic as well. He reads the game great. He still has a little bit of uh, of other aspects to his game that he needs to work on. But my goodness, Matt. Like we're witnessing right now is one of the next greatest footballers of all time. And if you can't recognize that, I think you need to put on some glasses and it's not obviously not a hot take from me. This has been well known about him, but there's levels to this and he keeps on taking the steps to the next level. And that match, albeit they lost was just another, you know, stepping stone and in, in, in evidence and historical moment of what it should be eventually one of the best careers of, uh, you know, the next 10 years, because this guy is, there really aren't enough words to describe him. And probably the best one is after I tweeted, after the second goal was he's just a phenomenon. That's what he is. And I mean, there's nothing else left to say. I I truly think he is the best striker um, youth wise to come up since Ronaldo. And I'm not, I'm not even kidding. I, I do, say it's hot take or not. I'm talking about Brazilian Ronaldo, like that, that good. I mean, look, it's, it, the comparisons are always going to be tough, right? I think. Yeah, you know, of course. The errors are always going to be tough because the game's different. The, the hype and the perception of, of who's star, who's going to flop, whose talents can translate to the next level. It's always going to be so, somewhat difficult to, to compare. 
But one thing we both can agree on, and I think everyone can agree on, 100 goals for Erlen Holland. It's 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 a remarkable feat, and just it just goes to show you how quickly, like, he can put up goals. I mean, he, the, the the numbers that he's had at, at Borussia Dortmund are absolutely ridiculous. And he's scoring like a goal a game. I think it's even more than a goal a game. Like it's barely over a goal a game, which is it's it's simply sensational. I mean, there's he's one player that will say this that when I first started watching him, um, which most people are probably listening to this was in the Champions League when he was at Salzburg, right? He he had moments where he obviously he's very great and very prolific and very impressive, but he also had moments where he kind of looked awkward doing certain things. Like he didn't look like that sort of like sleek dribbling you know really really fast pacey athletic type striker like like killing Mbappe for instance like you can see he could run he could dribble he'd run down the channel oh by the way his goal over the weekend fucking amazing you saw his that goal one? Too, oh, well, you, you we're getting both these guys disgusting. at the same time and it's just it's an absolute <laughs> treat like it, it's 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 an, it's so enjoyable to watch them at the same age pretty much just kind of like okay we're the new kids on the block. Like this is where the you got a more appreciation of it this time around opposed to years ago with Cristiano and, and Messi because we were kids. And it, and it's also refreshing too, Martino. Mm-hmm. That thankfully, I mean, things can change in the future, of course. But <laughs> that both these these guys are not a, like a rival, right? Because it obviously makes it that much more. It makes it difficult to stomach because there was links to Juve. It was Juve, Manchester United, and I think Dortmund were the final three teams. Holland, yeah. And I think United weren't willing to pay it. And I don't think it was a spot that they wanted. And Juve were saying he wasn't going to have any playing time. Right. Absolutely insane. Right. Because I think they had Iguain at the time still. They needed to offload him. But the minutes weren't going to be there for for them to get. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. So when I see see Holland, though, beyond anything that he provides from from a footballer standpoint in terms of what he does on a field, He's got this sort of alpha male mindset and like approach to the game. Like it's, it's not so much a cockiness. I mean, you can say he's, he has a little bit of a cocky edge to him, but it's like a confident arrogance he has to them. Like he knows he's very good. He knows he can, he's got the goods. He knows he's like a superstar, like premium top talent. Like, like he's built differently. Like we've, we were, everyone's thrown that, throwing that around. No, he's built differently. I don't know if he's in a factory in a lab as a machine, like, whatever, but this guy is like truly special to watch. And the fact that he's able to do it like in big games too, already at a very early age, that's not something that's easily done. Like you see it with Mbappe, you see it with certain players and it's easy for young talent to shine against the provincial sides, mid table sides, and you do it in preseason and dazzle and wow you, but it's another to come up against the team that's won six trophies on the trot and is still the favorite to win the league again and potentially still win another Champions League title this year if they can get everything back on track. And he just, like, puts two goals on them, no problem. And he continues to score. And people are looking like, when's, when is he going to be figured out? And I don't know if I quite see it yet. Like, he's got the physicality. He's got the, the, the sneaky pace to him. Because, like I said, he doesn't run in this sort of conventional, like, speedster manner. Like, he runs, but he takes those huge gazelle strides. And he's just a oh yeah man a clinical finisher. I mean, he's easily one of the best finishers we have right now. I think he's one of the most confident finishers. That so you poised, could possibly so poised. Find. Like yep. he's like when he's around the net, it's like oh geez, we can't let this guy any, anywhere near the box because he could even beat you with something from deep. He did it to PSG last year. Or I think he did it to um 
that distance goal in the Champions League. I forgot it was maybe it was PSG, but I think it was at, it was at, it was with Dortmund. Like he fired mm-hmm. from outside the box and he just absolutely shook the back of the net. So the big game player, man, big game player. He's got everything in his arsenal, mm. but he's also got the mental fortitude and the mental components. Work rate's fantastic. Not let this man. get to his head and not get too big and too ahead of himself. Like it, it's very difficult to handle that pressure. Like people saying, well, you're like the, you're the superstar player. You're the, you're going to worth 120, $20 million, 150 million, 200. Like he's worth over 200 right now. My for him to do that, <laughs> like, that's really impressive. And for him to do that from like Salzburg to Dortmund and just simply not even skip a beat. Like he's, what he's doing, what he was doing at the lower levels, he's doing at the higher levels. And it's the same. Like there's Seamlessly. no drop Seamless. Yeah. It's impressive. I, you know, like it is impressive, but impressive just like feels like it just doesn't do it. Justice. It doesn't do injustice. Yeah. <laughs> it, it like it's, I mean, man, like it's it's great to just finally have that appreciation, kind of like what we were talking about, that we get to like see this full frontal. Like I appreciated Cristiano and Messi hundred percent when that was going on, right? Like you knew it was happening when you saw it, because even again, I know this is just a comparison back to American sports, but we have American viewers and listeners. Like when Michael Jordan kind of retired in 2003, you missed out on something. You know what I mean? Like you and I missed out on it because we were way too young to kind of understand Michael Jordan on on the Bulls and those teams. And you kind of like, damn it. Like I missed out on that. I want to make sure anytime I see some greatness, I want to make sure I get, we have more time than I I just, I I clicked a short one. So ignore the timer guys. Um, But for me, it was just, (laughs) but it's just the appreciation and i think people need to realize this as we also see the clear decline of leo messi and cristiano ronaldo this season even though they're still at a very high level let me make that clear but it's just you got to realize and recognize something in the moment and in the moment right now there aren't many players like erling holland as you said that make such a seamless transition for salzburg to bundesliga to dominating in the Champions League with both of those squads and then basically, you know, dominating Bayern. Like, it's just being that clinical against a team like that who, yes, who have their defensive flaws as well-documented, blah, blah, blah. But just, like, man, if you just on paper say a a kid that's, you know, 21, 22 years old going into Bayern Munich and scoring two goals under 10 minutes, it just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. And – and this is the same person who dominates Champions League nights, who's basically carrying them to the next round if they do end up uh, beating Sevilla. So, Matt, he's been amazing. But we got to talk about, um, real quick, the team that they faced, because uh, I know you have this on the docket. We'll, we'll just discuss them real quick. They go up 2 nothing against Dortmund and Bayern Munich in this match within the first 10 minutes. And I, and I was just like, you know when you get a lead when it's like 2 nothing in general, and you're kind of uneasy about it, you're like, that's a lot of time left on the clock for a team like Bayern Munich <laughs> to, to get back in this fixture, knowing Dortmund's deficiencies on defense. And every single time I watch Dortmund, there's some boneheaded, stupid mistake on defense that really ends up ultimately costing them three points or in advance to the next round in a competition. Bayern is just a well-oiled machine. And Pet told us in our group chat that City is still clear of them. But it is so difficult to count on Bayern Munich in any match when they're still able to pull off something like this. Like, it's just so remarkable on how they're just able to group together a bunch of offensive threats. Like that Lewandowski first goal, Matt, it was so easy. 
Like he just subtly points towards goal like, oh, you got me, I'm open. And it's just a tapping. Like the way they make it look so easy, man, is just absolutely unbelievable. I know you could talk on here for hours on end about Lewandowski, but I, just give me give me a reason why they shouldn't be winning this Champions League again. Because I'm still having a hard time not seeing that. I know City are contenders and they deserve to be in that conversation. But you and I both say this: until they do it, I'm not picking them. So it's in many, it's in many ways yeah. um, the respect I I tend to give to Real Madrid. Um, in, in the, in years past where even when Real Madrid like was showed vulnerability and they showed like they they can be beaten in the competition, like this is their competition. Like they run the show. They have the most titles. I'm talking about Real Madrid here, of course, most Champions League titles. They, they've, they've been through this, but they're so battle tested. And then when the dust settles, it's Ronaldo, it's Benzema, it's Ramos doing what they do, winning the trophy. And there you go. Right. And I kind of look at Bayern Munich, not in the same way, but maybe in a somewhat similar way there's some similarities i see with them um they got this sort of club dynamic the the ethos top to bottom like they're a team that's so strong um top to bottom they're i think they're well coached for hansi flick and it's it's crazy to think that they were months and months ago maybe about a year a year a little more than a year ago like everyone's like wow like Bayern munich like they're struggling here and then hansi flick comes in and then they had like they were unbeaten the rest of the way or last season on their way to a treble like that's impressive. That's really Six tuple. <laughs> really to do that. Like I'm not. I'm not gonna. You know, this is not me. You know, t- taking a shot at the Bundesliga, but like they are. They're still the favorites of the Bundesliga. They have the star power. They have the winning mentality, and they've won. And ultimately, they've won it before. And until someone else can show show to me and prove to me that they should, that Bayern Munich shouldn't be the favorites. I don't know. I mean, you can look at form. You can look at. Um, you would have thought this window for Dortmund, man. But... And Dortmund, listen, Dortmund are a good team. I'm not saying they're not a good team where they don't, they, you know, they, they shouldn't be. I mean, we, we talked about this. You even mentioned it, Martino, that you're like, Dortmund's been very disappointing because you thought that they 16 would be, points they off be of Bayern is a disappointment. And I you said they should be there. They should be like the, the, the anti Bayern, right? Yep. So when I look at Bayern Munich on the Champions League side of things, in comparison to City, because we had the conversation you and I with Pep. Until mm-hmm. City can prove to me that they can get over the hump and win this, get like deep into this, and even make it to a final. I think if they yeah. get to a final, I think they can actually win it. But getting to the final has been the really challenging part for them. Like they've the always closest had really they good... were was a semifinal against Monaco, right? If I'm correct, they lost. Um, I believe it was the Mbappe team that knocked them out. That team was nice. And then and then Spurs knocked them out on that dramatic one. There's always just something with City. There's always that, something. You know. that if it's is it is it the mental side of it? Is it it's not it's not because it's damn well damn sure ain't, ain't the, the talent side of it because they got talent. They got look at their bench, look at their squad, look at their starting eleven, look at the form they're on, despite the defeat to United. So Bayern are still my favorite, and sure. until City can prove to me that they can get over the hump. I, I gotta get. I I just don't have them in this. I don't have them as favorites over over Bayern. I just I still like Bayern more than them. I agree. I agree. Totally fair. Um. All right. So that pretty much wraps up most of that. Uh. This episode eighty one. We are gonna discuss uh, like two of these Champions League matchups. So let's do that real quick. Any surprises? Um. Or the biggest surprises that came out of these, you know, Champions League fixtures. I don't think there were too many of them. Mm-hmm. If we're being quite honest, right? I think I think from what we saw for the most part was what we expected. I think the best uh, result that came out possible was 
I probably would you would you agree that it was Chelsea? I think it was Chelsea. Honestly, Chelsea getting that away goal um, against Atletico Madrid. Bayern took care of business when um, they were supposed to. Like, I, I don't know. I just, you know, Real Madrid, I think they were fortunate in that game uh, with a harsh red card. Atalanta got no away goals, but it's just it one nothing. how Atalanta wanted to play that they wrestled away, yeah. Agreed. Um, City had a comfortable win. I think that Porto, if Porto didn't give up that late later goal to Chiesa, I would say that was probably the best result out of all these teams. Mm-hmm. But I think they really let the door open for a lot of these other matches. Um, you know, like for the return leg, Bayern absolutely destroyed them. Dortmund winning 3-2, like it's, it's a great amount of goals for for an away match like that's like you know like you get three away goals that's fantastic Liverpool two nothing up on Leipzig great PSG took care of business against Barca that one's pretty much over unless it's a miracle mm-hmm. um they they just don't have that type of team let me ask you about Liverpool Leipzig Leipzig been fantastic in Bundesliga they're only two points off of um Bayern Munich obviously who we were just discussing for the title there they're down two nothing in this Liverpool have been fucking dreadful like out of any top team in all the leagues, we would have thought Barcelona were the more disappointing one. There's also Dortmund, Lazio. You could toss them in there, Juve to an extent, but Liverpool for sure in 2021, Matt, for a team that was never losing at Anfield, can't seem to buy a win now at home. Um, how much do you take away from it? I mean, they won away to nothing. Are you? Would you be worried if you're a Liverpool fan? Like in this return leg, you know how great they play. Um... But there's something I mean, about like the aura of Liverpool right now that's not great. Well, it's it's not a, it's not a healthy situation. Um, right. Yeah. Can we can, let me let me say this to you? Let me let me let me, sure. let me ask you or throw this back to you or just make one quick comment before I throw it back to you. Um, would you be surprised if even Leipzig like defeated Liverpool? I mean, this isn't the Liverpool last it's year. It's defeating and advancing. So Liverpool well, had yeah, the two away like, goals. Yeah. Like. It wouldn't surprise. I mean, Leipzig played well in the Champions League last year. I think it was Tyler Adams that scored a big goal and then sent them through. I think to the yes. semis or quarters. I, I, it, uh, it, it, I believe they lost the semis, right? To yeah, so it must have been in the quarters then. Um, mm. so they're a team that's well coached. They have a lot of young talent, tons of personality. They like to attack, and then you have Liverpool here who are going through so many makeshift defenses. I mean, you got like. Fabinho playing. I know he can play there, but in the back, yeah. but Kabak has struggled mightily. So injuries to the back line. Oh, and it's been months with 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 these players out. Hmm. And then you throw in the fact that just like performance wise, you've watched we've watched them enough to yeah. just kind of say this is not the same Liverpool team. Like it's it's not. And at this stage of the season, if they let me put it this way, if they played these two teams played like beginning of twenty twenty one, I would say. I like Liverpool. Like Liverpool have been there. They're battle tested. They've won this tournament. They made back-to-back Champions League finals. 1-1 probably should have won two if it wasn't for Karius' mistakes in goal. So they've been here. They know what it takes, what it takes to win this. But now I'm yeah. looking at it. I'm like, this isn't the same Liverpool team. Now it's just about trying to salvage top four in the Premier League. Yeah. So it's not surprising to me to see Leipzig. Um, and I'm curious to see what the odds would be for this. Um, oh, you won't, won't say, say, say less, my friend. Say less. Where do we where do we want to look, everybody? We could look at uh, you know, some 
not so legal places, and then we could um, look like, at some legal be. places. So what, what, what exactly do we want to look at here for, for your sake? Do we want to look at – because there's different odds, obviously, for certain matches, and then money there's line. odds for money line. Okay, so for who do you want? For Leipzig? Leipzig. What's Leipzig's the line? underdog What's in this. They're plus 190. Liverpool is a plus 150, and obviously tri- it goes by triple money lines in football, soccer, whatever you guys call it, mm-hmm. wherever you're from. Um so I, I don't know what the conversion is. Me and Pat struggle with it all the time in our group chat. So apologies. Take, like you would be confident laying some money on Leipzig right now, knowing what you I would. I would. I would take. I would take money for a draw. Uh, I mean, um, sorry, a Leipzig uh, result. Leipzig result is basically just you know, um, they they can get a draw or a win. Is what you're betting. Well, on. You can do but the odds get lowered. Yeah, but the odds get lowered. But yes, yeah. if I were to pick a winner like, in it, the point I'm trying to the point I'm trying to make is that like I don't think if you're a Liverpool fan or you're watching this thinking like we got this or we're the favorites, we should be you know respected as such. They're uneasy. They're uneasy. It's it's uneasy. An uneasy situation. They don't know what their coach coaching situation is going to be. There's players in this squad that are quite clearly um, potentially going to be leaving or should be leaving. I mean, the front three. There's probably parts of that front three but that how, should be how sold about- off this though for a betting thing so liverpool are currently one of the top four favorites for the champions league as it stands and obviously we've seen in past years uh even chelsea is probably the most well-documented one in terms of league play and winning the champions league they were absolutely terrible in the league the year they won their only champions league title plus 650 for liverpool But here's the interesting one. If you are a gambler and you'd like to place some bets. So Leipzig, obviously we mentioned, was plus 190 to win the match. If plus 190 and you think they can advance, you can get an absolutely incredible number for RB Leipzig to win the Champions League. And this is just a hedge sort of bet, right? Because I don't get to really talk about this too often now because um, I just write Serie A gambling. So, for example, this is what would happen. If you were to lock in a bet today, Matt, if you put in $100 for RB Leipzig to win the Champions League, the payout would be $15,000. Wow. Think about that for a second. Those odds get decreased significantly if RB Leipzig pull off a victory and advance into the next round. Mind you, Liverpool had a terrible result at home last year against Atletico. They've been struggling mightily at Anfield recently. And that was always the aura about Liverpool in recent years is that you can't beat them in Anfield. If you go back to Anfield, anything can happen. Obviously, that's what we saw with um, the Barcelona miracle as well when they were down 3 nothing, came back on the second leg, won 4 nothing. This one, the pressure's really on them because Leipzig are going to be going for it. So... That's just a gambling tip. If you would want to lock in something like that, you do it now, and then you eventually hedge your bet. And hedging your bet essentially means you just cash out a little bit early because the bookies don't want to get hurt for fifteen grand if you potentially could end up winning that. Because anything can happen in the Champions League. We saw Leipzig's quality, and they were very close to actually getting to the final of the competition. They've been as close as Manchester City have been. So just to let you know, that's something you can do. And fifteen grand is fucking amazing for a lot of people so i just wanted to put that out there look at us look uh, at us providing player profiles even some some betting tips we're trying to make you guys money here too. it's not even a betting podcast and martino's here i mean that's why that's why the athletic hired me right and they're okay with me cursing guys so don't worry don't worry don't worry with that 
think we covered pretty much everything here. I mean, the, the, these two legs, there's obviously a lot of exciting legs here. There's a lot to play for. I mean, there's some matches, as you mentioned, that are done and dusted. It's kind of a, a known. I mean, nothing. There's certain. a lot of close fixtures, man. There's a lot there's of close fixtures either way. And then what we should do, Martino, and then, we'll, then, you, then you can take us out of here, but what we should do is after the second legs of each, mm-hmm. keep like tabs, like a knockout round tab on who – Perhaps correct. We, we all made our predictions, right? Remember, we kind of briefly. We only we only disagreed. You guys had Barcelona and won. Yeah. Um, I had PSG, and I believe we um, the I we had Atletico winning, but I thought Atletico would drub Chelsea. Um, I, I think otherwise we agreed on everything else. Correct. Yeah. We'll take a look at that. We'll take a look. We, uh, we have to look back. I could have had Leipzig over Liverpool. I don't remember. But, but they, if anything, that was it. Otherwise, we all agreed for the most part. Um, okay, so we got to head on out here. It was a great podcast once again, episode 81. Um, it's been a hell of a ride for all these episodes. We really appreciate everybody, all the loyal listeners. We keep on seeing hundreds of, of listens and downloads every single episode. We truly appreciate it. We truly appreciate So Rare for um, uh, helping us out with this affiliation is such a great thing to be a part of. Please sign up, guys. Let us know when you sign up. We'll give you a retweet, shout out. Hopefully, we will have another giveaway coming up by around episode 100 or very soon. We keep on gaining followers on Twitter. You could follow us there at State of Play Pod. You could follow us on Instagram as well. Check it out over there at the TikToks as well. I've just been so busy with uh, other things. Um, so if you want to go follow on there, you could check out some of the stuff that we have there. Uh, obviously you could follow pet at pet Berisha on Twitter as well. You could follow me at Martino Puccio, Matt, if you want to just give a shout out with some of your work as well, before mm-hmm. we head on out. Sure. Follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Santangelo. Uh, of course, make sure you're following at Milan reports. Uh, Martino and I have been doing a lot of Milan related content, video content. So, um, we're, we're building a nice following there. We're on Twitch. So if you guys want to go and subscribe to support us there, show them, show us some love. We'd really appreciate it. But getting back to state of play, state of play, real quick, guys. How about how about some reviews, some ratings, some uh, some subscriptions? We really do appreciate that. And if you guys do any of that, let us know on Twitter. We'll give you a shout out as Martino mentioned. We'll we'll show you some love back because we do appreciate our audience. And thank you, Dieter, Dieter Van Gucht. Always sharing episodes, being great. Yeah, I mean, listen, anything, anything on the support side, you guys can give us. It uh, goes a long way in helping us grow, and it's it's why we have been you know uh, in this position to get uh, an affiliation with uh Sorare and and win an award at the fca so we, we thank you guys so much for that support and martino i think that wraps it up man yeah um other than that you just listen to some working guys <laughs>